wait for it. It's Daniel and Cara Nightshade. I'm inviting you to join this guest this week, Michael Anderson, with the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. And joining me is a- a- another person who holds similar uh, in- not interests, but uh, uh, qualities and uh, other things of that nature with me. He is a fellow Rhode Island Ram, a fellow graduate. He was part of one of the greatest teams or playing with one of the, some of the greatest players of all time in roadie history. He is also a, a tech mind. He is the one and only Mr. Michael Anderson. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. Well, I, as I said earlier, thank you for, for doing this. I'm sure you're a, a busy man, but I want to start with this before we, we get down to the nitty gritty. These are interesting times, some hectic times we, we found ourselves in the last few years. And I, I know with the business you have on site techs, you, you do a lot of remote work, but during this time, what's it been like for you experiencing it all? Um, yeah, it, it didn't really change much for, for my business because we were pretty much almost hundred percent remote before. Um, so eliminating um, on-site, it's kind of funny how we have, the name of the company is on-site text and we don't go on-site at all, uh, pretty much. It's very, very rare. Uh, we do go in once in a while, but uh, yeah, most of the tech stuff these days uh, can be done remotely as long as you have an internet connection that's running. So uh, it didn't really change much for us. During this time, and I strongly believe that it's a time that we all be able to reflect and sort of learn more about ourselves. So what has Michael Anderson learned about himself that I didn't know prior to this whole pandemic that i actually enjoy walking (laughs) (laughs) before before the pandemic i would always yell at my uh, my wife and says why are we walking it doesn't do anything for you and then uh, i discovered walking uh, ended up walking five miles a day uh, and i've done that ever since uh, the pandemic started Um, so i ended up losing a bunch of weight and there was a good uh, side effect of doing all this walking. Um, yeah. And I'm probably in the physically, um, like body fat wise, I'm probably in an even better shape than I was ever playing wow. basketball. Um, now my joints can't do what I <laughs> used to be able to do. Sure. But uh, yeah, body fat wise, I'm probably in the best shape of my life. Uh, but uh, obviously, all the stuff that it takes to be a basketball player, sure. I can't. Uh, my body can't take it anymore. Sure. Well, I'm sure even now at, at, at the age you're at and haven't played competitively, maybe as serious as you were in college and professionally, a much, much better player than I. I'm, I'm more of a rec player myself, so uh, I'm nowhere near that. And I'm sure during this time also, you know, you just mentioned the, the physical transformation you've been able to take, but also to be able to see your son play in person yeah. and not having a season canceled. Two of my sisters both play basketball or one both played in high school one's still in high school so i know of that situation of being able to see uh relatives play stuff and of that nature and it gives you a greater appreciation for those small things like walking now right. you see a lot of uri players since your time there and if not a little before then with the the silk owens and tom garrick and kenny greens where a lot of uri players find the opportunity to play basketball maybe not just you know, in the nba but overseas and they have successful careers such as yourself winning two Polish championships and playing for nearly a decade. And you just said that you, you didn't start till 18 playing basketball. Was there any concept or, or paying attention to overseas basketball where, where you were living or was that 
just not in your peripheral vision. Uh, only in a local, like to play pro, you mean? Yeah, like no, what? no. Mike, no. Michael, I had no idea that I was going to be able to play professional basketball. That happened my uh, my junior year of college. I was playing with the Danish national team in a tournament in Iceland. And that year, the rules in Europe changed so that European people with European passports would not count as foreigners okay. in all European leagues. So now, all of a sudden, we wouldn't be taking up a spot because right. uh, you can only have two foreigners on a team. Oh, wow. So we wouldn't count as uh, as a spot anymore. And that just opened up the floodgates for, for European players to be able to go all over Europe. And I was actually offered a contract my junior year and I called up uh, my assistant coach Bill Cohen and said, Bill, I, I got this offer for $250,000. Tell me why I, should, I shouldn't take it and just leave you all right. He said, well, that money will always be there and get an education. And it was so, so happened that I really loved uh, sure. going to URI and uh, and I went back. Sure. I, when I laugh about with, with with people who I've had on here from URI that sort of share their story on here, which I've been fortunate enough to, to listen to, they, a lot of them have, have said that they had no idea about URI, no idea where Ron was on the map, didn't know where the school existed. So what was that process like for you knowing URI was offering you a spot on their team and Al Skinner and in that whole process during college admission. All I knew about URI was the video he showed me that they had made and then looked like they had some nice speeches. <laughs> uh, he showed me that they had been to the tournament the year before. But besides that, I knew nothing, nothing about uh, Rhode Island. I didn't even know there was a state called Rhode Island at that time. <laughs> uh, I finally researched that a little bit and found out it was the smallest one. Yes. Um, and it was close to New York and Boston, and that's really all I cared about. It was all close to the big cities. All right. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, and if I ask this question to others, I'll be interested to hear your answer to this. Do you think that gave you a greater appreciation for the opportunity you got there, knowing that you didn't really know of URI or, or, or what happened previously with them? Yeah, I was just excited to come into the States. Somebody was going to give me a free ride to come to the States and and and, and go to college and 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 do all the things I'd seen in movies. Basically, all I knew about the stage was what I'd seen in the movies. So yeah. uh, I, I say this all the time. Like I, what I saw on, 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 on movies and TV was like that I just fell in love with the States and I wanted to go there and was very lucky to get an opportunity to come. You alluded to and mentioned seven feet tall, which is something that would think would help someone bask basketball wise very very much and someone who's one of the uh, star players of the team before the season starts and you may mention this in other interviews you might have done what conversations did you have with Al Skinner in terms of what you were going to be uh, helping the team do right from the get-go well first of all I wasn't even going to be playing my freshman year oh, wow. the, the, the plan was all along to probably do a redshirt year Okay. But then, unfortunately, there was the two big guys that was there uh, before me, uh, DeMont Collins and Kyle Ivan Jones, were ruled ineligible. Uh, DeMont came back halfway through, I think, uh, but I think Kyle didn't play that year at all. So I had to play. 
So I was just thrown in the fire and started, I think it started almost all the games my freshman year and basically had to learn the American style of play just by playing it. So, um, yeah, I played Tim Duncan that year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That, th- that situation that, that brings me to my next question, learning the American style and you're playing nearly all, the, you're playing nearly if not all the games that year, your freshman year, that process for you, how accepting were you of the patience you need to have in order to learn that skill quickly, translating from when you were playing overseas before at college? Uh, this is, it was just coming over and just, I, I was by myself. I didn't really have any friends. So my first year was basically, going to the gym, work out, lift some weights, get stronger. Cause I was, I was only 240 pounds wow. when I got to college. I was 300 when I left wow. four years later. So uh, back then the A-10 was a lot of big guys. It was Alexander Cool, Mark Jackson, Yinka Dare was my freshman year. So all centers except for Marcus Camby was, were all very, very, very big and very, very heavy. So you had to become, I had to quickly gain some muscle and get sure. and gain some weight to be able to to compete with them. That, that, that you, you did an interview with your view sports a few years ago with Chris Desano and sort of your story and what, what you've gone through to lead up to here. And you talked about um, it, it talked about your freshman year transition to then your sophomore year, how it's statistically you greatly improved across the board where you were working out often by yourself on your fundamentals and really improving that, that year. And the team's building now a solid foundation. The team had graduated a bunch of seniors and now you're having a bigger role, piece of the pie for that team. For you though, to make that improvement, why was it important for you to work on all those fundamental skills you talked about in the interview, shooting three pointers as, as a big center. Was that really important for you to really work on those individual skills? Uh, well, not so much the three pointers. I, Coach Coach Skinner did not want me to shoot threes, but shooting from the outside and shooting from the key for sure, shooting the short corner for sure, all those shots that are now not um, that valuable. If you look at uh, like a statistic or otherwise, you, nobody wants you to shoot those shots anymore because sure. there's not as high percentage or or doesn't give you reward you as much as a three pointer does. Uh, so the analytics say don't take that shot, right? But at the time, that was that that became my my shot, like the little the little short corner uh, on the baseline, and it just ended up being my go to go to spot uh, where I, I knew I was going to get a good shot. And then, um, yeah, being encouraged by uh, Coach Bill Cohen, who's now at Northeastern, he was he was the one who every day like, here's the let's go work out, let's do these, let's go through all the, all the post moves. And it was just, it just became like a habit of going and doing that every day and just going through all the moves every day and then go down on the, the shoot. We had a shooting machine that had been made by the engineering department at the time. Back then we didn't have the gun or uh, all those fancy ones sure. that they had Jerry rigged some shooting machine <laughs> and just go down there and get a bunch of shots, shots up. And I, I really think that really just helped me develop that that soft shot from the from the baseline your junior 
year, you guys, I don't want to jump too far ahead with that, but junior year, you guys have a very successful year. Then the senior year, very successful year again, making the, the big dance against Purdue. But you're, you're leading into your sophomore year, then into your junior year, the team is starting to build momentum in terms of really being a unit. You're really building from the foundation up. With that situation, you being really kind of the, maybe the only true person playing at the center position, not maybe a forward playing center. But when you were growing, getting better and moving up into the team situation, were you ready to take a bigger role, a leadership role almost for, for that team as they were getting better? I never really thought about it. I'm just It just happened. You know, it, it was basically coach said, oh, yeah, you, now you're a captain. I think it was my senior year I was a uh, captain. Uh, so it was never like discussed on how how to lead or just you just you just go out and just work hard and show by example and and we had a really good group like we didn't really have any egos sure. uh it, it just everything felt natural it wasn't like uh oh he shouldn't be getting playing time and it, it was just to me it just seemed natural this was just the way it was sure. and, and and there was not really any discussion about how to be a leader of what we should be, be doing or just everybody just went out and did their work and did what the coaches told us to do and 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 it just it worked out well it's it's a real and this is just from a, a fan's perspective but it's a real different type of i don't want to say conversation but different image of the teams now recently compared to maybe your class and Antonio Reynolds, Dean, that group, and other groups where they're really together. There's no egos. There's no one yeah. there who's saying, I'm better than you, and I should get all this time, because now you see kids transferring all the time. Yeah, let's, and, let's, get, not, let's get started on that, because no, I don't like that at all. No, I, I, I won't touch that. But you, And then you see <laughs> nowadays, you are where, where they get down fast, and then there's nobody to help them get right. back up. And I'm sure in your class, there were a lot of people, and not just Gatino or Tyson or Antonio, that are leading the charge to get people pumped up, but everyone's doing that together. So it's, it's always good to hear teams, regardless of their successful year or the following year, to know that we're all good and we're all in it together and we're all going to do our, 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 our job for that. Your third year, your junior year, you, you guys make this transition from 7-20 and 20 to 20-14 and 14 as, as a team record. And you just, successful, success is now here. Could you tell at any point prior to the season or maybe at the beginning of the season that now you guys can really do some damage or was that just never able to be seen? No, because if you look at look at all the games that we lost, a lot of the games that we lost at my sophomore year were very close games. There was very, very, it was more like we got blown out every single game. There were, there were sure. A lot of them were very close and we just didn't get it, get it done. So I knew that if we could just improve just a little bit, we would be pretty good and sure. it turned out that we that's what the difference was that 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 junior year where we we just got over that little hump and we won those close games that we had lost uh sure. the year before so yeah that that sophomore year was very tough because we i think at one point we were close to breaking the record for most losses in a row oh, wow. and uh we didn't want that so finally sure. we, we, we uh luckily we um we 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 didn't make that history book entry, uh, but yeah, no, there was there was a few games where, where like after the season, we're like, look at look at us, we lost this game by one, we lost this game by three, we were so close, like four or five games, and all of a sudden we don't have a bad season, like right. So uh, it wasn't like we were ever in a panic, or like sure. oh this is gonna be a, 
horrible next year too. And of course, the coaches did a, a great job bringing in very good players sure. uh, that year. Uh, very good freshmen. That that year, you guys have a lot of success. As I said at the beginning of the season, you lose a close one to number one ranked UMass, sixty nine to seventy four. And then you have also near the beginning of the season a a away win against Temple. I, when I was talking to Antonio. He was part of the group who who has a winning record against Temple, which other years and other classes that, you know, when Temple was still in the A-10, didn't right. have that. Uh, but when you guys are finding that success, did you find it hard for maybe not just yourself, but for the team to make sure you're staying level-headed and not letting that success get to your head? Again, it just was – there was never never like any discussion about, oh, we're so good, and we're like we're – just, we just we went out and had fun and, and played. It was basically just – Let's just go play and have, have fun. Just do what we're, we're, we're supposed to do and things will work themselves out. It was never, I never have a lot later on and thought, oh, we're so good. We're going to, sure. we're going to make, I did think we were, uh, we were, um, that we, we can come to that when we go to the, we're talking about the NCAA tournament. I thought we were, we were uh, seated a little low, but sure. <laughs> it, it turned, it, uh, it, we got in, and that was fantastic. Sure. That your junior year, you guys make it to the third round of the NIT tournament. By and then you guys lose to a close or a game against uh, St. Joe's. Prior to the NIT tournament, did you guys think that you guys would be making the NCAA tournament? And when that didn't happen, how did you react to playing in the NIT tournament? We thought we uh, we had a good shot at getting in, uh, but we also knew we were probably in the on the bubble. Uh, and then, then we were like, okay, we didn't get in. Let's let's make the best uh, we can do uh, of the situation. And um, and it was fun to be in that tournament too. Sure. It, it was it was uh, just a great experience and prepared us for the next year. That NIT tournament run, you guys have a close win and double overtime against the College of Charlestown, and then you go off to play St. Joe's. After that win against Charlestown, how how confident did you guys think that St. Joe's you might be able to uh, take to the uh, woodshed and beat them? Well, we were always confident every game. Uh, it, it was, we never thought that we didn't have, a, there was never a, a game where we didn't think we had a chance of winning, right? Sure. So we would we would just go in and like, okay, look, if we play our best, we have a good shot of, uh, of beating anybody in the country, basically. Um, so that was our mindset was just, just go out and play hard. Let's try to execute uh, the game plan that the coaches have come up with, and and do what we're supposed to do with our matchups, and and we will have a good chance of 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 beating pretty much anybody. Like we never, it was never like a, a like a joint feeling that oh this is going to be we're not going to have a chance. It was never that. Uh, it was always you know, we're going to go out and play hard and see how to how it goes. Sure. See, I just asked you about the team's confidence and mindset going to your junior, junior telling if there was any availability of real success changing around senior year, you guys do even better the NCAA tournament year. Did the game plan change at all leading into your senior year before the season started? Or was it the same thing? We're, we're really going to be able to do stuff. Same thing. Just, just keep, keep, keep doing what we we, we know works for us and execute the, the game plans. Uh, I hate to say the same thing over and over again, but that's basically what it was. Sure. It, it's just go do do what you could do best each individually, and let's do what we do well as a sure. team and, and execute uh, 
as best as we could. Early in the season, there's a tough loss against 18th ranked Texas, and then you guys kill PC away at PC, which is this almost a rare thing nowadays at URI when PC decides to play them. What was that like to beat PC there, but also in terms of difference between Texas and PC? Uh, yeah, Texas was very good, and we played Texas in Texas. It's a very, very tough place to, to, to win, and we didn't play our best game there at all. Uh, um, but the PC game is a, is a funny story. Somehow, some PC fans got my phone number and harassed me that whole week, the whole week. They're like, oh, this guy is going to kill you. This guy is going to do this to you. And and I just got it all built up inside of me. And and we went out and we beat them. And after that game, I quoted, I think I had some quote book that somebody had given me. And I quoted something at the press conference because it, it just meant so much to me that we beat them. Um, and they were a great team that year. You know, yeah. they, I, I think that's the year they went to the final four, right? So, um yeah, it was. It was. It's that that rivalry, and it's funny now because I see uh, Coach Cooley once in a while. My my son attended the PC camp a couple of times. I said, and I've been up to the campus. I said, I'm I'm walking on enemy territory. I, I can't <laughs> yeah. even believe I'm here. Sure. And my son doesn't understand it, sure. the, the, what it felt like because it the the rivalry and the and the, the intensity of those games were so high, so sure. much higher than any other game that. That is just like it almost feels like even when I talk to PC fans now, I f- kind of feel like then like sure. hostile. Like yeah. I'm like you know. So sure. uh, I don't know if that the players of today feel the same way. Sure. I don't think they they have the same yeah experience because b- back then it was it was all it was personal. Sure. It, it really was. And probably back then, and maybe not players knew of, of of what it meant back then and, and that they, they knew of the previous success that URI has had and what that's like. And nowadays you, you don't necessarily see that at URI where, where they know what this means and what this rivalry means and what right. every game means. But that's a conversation another day. Hopefully Archie Miller helps helps the team uh, realize how, how, how serious it may right. need to get. Um, you guys, as I mentioned, a winning record against uh, uh, Temple – that maybe just that year or in general there's an ot game you beat them then a home win you guys beat them a close one and then finish that year six and one or the the last seven games six and one what was it like playing temple then and especially when the games are close with a john cheney led team seeing as he had success there so so after pc then the temple games were probably the most intense and i remember playing against mark jackson this this mean, mean center from uh, Temple who ended up playing. He played in, in the NBA for a little bit. But we played them at Temple. And uh, we're, you know, how you shake hands before the game. And I tried to shake his hand. He's like, I said, he said, I don't know you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, all right. So I ended up, uh, I had like a bunch, like I think like 14, 15 rebounds or and, 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 uh, and a, a few points. And then after he came, he's like, Okay, now I know you, and we beat them. And I'm like, yeah, now you know me. Yeah. And um, yeah, like John Cheney, the legend. You know, like think about all the coaches that were in A10 back then: it was John Cheney, Calipari, Coach Skinner. They're all intense coaches. Um, 
So, you know, the game was totally different then. The sure. A-10 was totally different then. It was, you know, it was very, very hard-nosed uh, basketball being played back then. And, uh, and, uh, and every game was intense, but it's especially the, the Temple games, because we hadn't beat them uh, for so long at Temple, it was just a, a big accomplishment that, that year. And, and that really showed us that we had something special sure. going on. Winning against Temple is, is another, is one thing um, during the regular season, but then beating them during the postseason and the conference right. tournament is another thing. What was that experience like beating them after Virginia Tech? It was just, again, like, like we knew we could do it, but the fact that we actually did it was, was amazing. Sure. And, and, and just, emphasized in our minds that we belonged and, you know, and, and we might have a shot of, of going to the NCAA tournament and hopefully do some damage there. We got very close to getting, moving on. And unfortunately it didn't happen, but um, you know, it was an amazing experience to go. That situation, if not besides the, the runs when um, Dan Hurley was here as well in the last few times. Oh, actually, no, no. The year after they went to NCAA tournament as, as well. Looking back at the experience compared to then, how do you accept the final result? Do I accept it? Or oh, no. did you... or like the, how, do you, how do you look at, back at it now compared to then? Oh, it's still, it still haunts me because I had, I had a, a put-back shot off of missed Tyson Wheeler missed shot at the end of the regulation. If I make that, we win and and uh, don't go into overtime. Um, and we would have gone on to play, uh, I think Kansas in the in the second round. Uh, we ended up going. I miss it. We go into overtime, and, and Purdue beats us. I don't know by like six or eight points. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we were so close. And the fact that I had the the last shot uh, still haunts me to this day. Sure. That if that goes in. Things are different, sure. and how different we don't know, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I asked you earlier a few times about what Al Skinner spoke to you about in terms of your production and what you would provide to the team. What did what translate from what he taught you to your first few years overseas as a player? Well, my first year in, uh, in Greece was totally different. I had a coach that I couldn't understand and always swore at me. Big contrast to Coach Skinner that barely ever yelled at you. Uh, and when he yelled at you, you you knew you had done something wrong. Uh, going to Greece that year was, was like basically the, the coach. It was, he was a very respected coach, and we didn't go to the European finals that year. But totally different ways of coaching uh a lot of screaming a lot of swearing uh and um it took me a while to get used to sure. uh, because coach skinner was was way more laid back but laid back in a way where he still let you know when you had done something wrong sure. uh but not necessarily constantly uh, berating you sure you said at the beginning of this, your adjustment to the American style of basketball, European basketball, maybe at the professional level, is another game in itself. How long did that adjustment take to be playing overseas basketball uh, when you first started playing? 
Uh, obviously, after that first year, that first year prepared me for the rest of my career because it got easier after that, uh, for sure. So having that, that the worst coach of a career, uh, your your first year as a pro uh, made it a lot easier. And we had a lot of success uh, and, and kind of uh, helped me build my name over there a, a bit. Um, so... You know, I had a, I've been very blessed that I had a long career over there. Um, I played for 11 years, 10 years. Oh, right. And, um, you know, was lucky to win some championships, going to the yeah. European final, playing against Mano Ginobili when he was 16, oh, wow. Dirk Nowitzki when he was 19, yeah. uh, played against Dino Raja after he had left the NBA, played against Byron Scott after he had left the Lakers, uh, you know, just a bunch of awesome experiences and, and stories that I can, you know, tell my kids and my grandkids and, and yeah. you, uh, uh, because it was, is really been, um, basketball has really given me a lot of really, really cool experiences that, that I wouldn't, you know, like without them, I don't know where I would have been. I would have been some accountant or I, well, <laughs> I am, a, I'm back to being a geek now. So sure. Um, what I found interesting besides the success you had over there and winning two championships over there, you start and this according to Wikipedia, so I don't know how truthful it may be with Wikipedia, but you start your, t- your career overseas in, um, over in Greece, as you say, with the yeah. AEK Athens. And then interesting enough, according to Wikipedia, you finished your career with them. If, so what was that full circle moment like where you're finishing your basketball career with the team you started with? It, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, um, it was kind of planned that way, actually. I thought it would have been pretty cool because they were interested. I was like, oh, it'd be pretty cool to go back to the team that you started at. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the difference was that there was different owners. It was the same right. team name with different owners. Uh, my last year there, they didn't have as much money. Uh, the team had been down and out for a little bit. So it wasn't the same. So we weren't like, we're more like a mid middle of the pack kind of team oh. at that at that point. But and my role was a little bit more, a little different because I was uh, one of the older players. So my my role is more coming off of the bench a little bit more and playing less minutes, but just being like a, like a like a vet, veteran, a big man to come in and give some spot minutes here and there. So it was a little different. But being back in Greece and being back in Athens was, uh, which is is a very very cool town. Uh, a cool city to live in uh, and with some awesome food and sure. cool people for you it's, it's one thing to play with that and another thing to transition as as you have into this other world instead of sort of flubbing around trying to figure what you're doing and you mentioned that you're now back to being a geek after you start off that thing going to become a, a jock with basketball right. For you after, because I, I ran that same interview interview, you tried coaching and then you, you went back to the tech world. What was that? What was, what's it like to be back to one of your other favorite things, but now doing as, as another career? It just feels great. It feels good that like I was always into computers, uh, always, always, always. And uh, even, even like during college, the internet had just started. So I kind of kept, you know, kept learning about all the cool stuff. I even took a very very early uh web design class that uri was putting on it's kind of funny we're like moving moving gifs and all that stuff the way that like uh 
the, the websites were back then. Uh, and the internet had just come out, as I said, and email was brand new. It had only been like two years or something like that. So um, yeah, being like doing, going back to, to the tech world was something that came pretty naturally because once I knew basketball was not something I could or wanted to pursue, I didn't want really being a coach at that level was not really something that was appealing at the time because I had two little kids and I knew that sure. if I was going to be a real successful coach, I would have to do a lot of traveling and be on the road sure. a lot. Uh, and at that point, that that was not something that I really could commit to. Sure. So then I started looking into, like, what else can I do? Because it's kind of hard to go out and find a job uh, when you had been playing basketball for the last... 14 years and sure. like what like what experience do you really have to give an employee or employer so i started my own company and what did i know more about uh same besides basketball was was technology and computers sure. and and that's that's how that got started before we we, we end today i want to briefly just talk about current stuff you, you when we first started talking you had mentioned your son was was playing a tournament for you to watch him play nowadays and have success and probably playing college and have success there. What's that like for you as a parent now? It's, um, it's very, I'm, I'm, I am, um, really conflicted in, in, in that because I think I've been maybe overemphasizing basketball a little bit too early for him. I mean, if I look, sure. look back now, I probably started him too early. Uh, he's he's he seems a little, little burned out. It's been a long it's been a long AAU season, so sure. he, it's very natural. He's going to take a look like a week off, but he has to get back on the grind next week. We go into a couple elite camps. Uh, a few colleges want to see him, so uh, just going to grind it. But he he loves it. He sure. wants he wants to play the next level uh, in college, and hopefully he'll get there. Uh, if not, it's okay. Uh, but every time I watch him, it's it's um, I'm very extremely nervous, way sure. more nervous than than if I played myself, <laughs> sure. uh, because I just want him to do well, and uh, it's very frustrating at times because you want him to do well, and you can sometimes he when he doesn't, and sure. you know you can't do it for him, sure. and, uh, and the frustration you see on his face. But yeah, no, he loves it, and I love uh, the fact that he loves it, and uh, it's been a big part of our, his life too, and still yeah. is. And uh, he's going into his senior season at St. George's, and uh, hopefully, it's um, it's going to be a successful one. He lost the season, obviously, with COVID, yeah. and and uh, they tried to play a little bit, but it was basically yeah. a, a no season. And then he got COVID his oh, wow. his last season, so he kind of missed out on a a few games there and he got injured right before the season started. So yeah. season was a little bit messed up there too. And but finally by the end he, he got into a groove a little bit and, sure. and improved. But his numbers were not sure. the way he wanted them to be. And uh so now I was like now it's your senior season. Sure, go yeah. go out and make sure you're prepared for it. Uh, exactly. cause I can't do it for you. Sure. And and I'm sure that this also, you know, strengthens your bond with him because it's something that you love so much basketball and it's something that he loves so much and that he wants to continue and he's passionate because and myself just playing rec basketball that's a hectic experience as it is but 
you see a lot of parents, younger parents, they get frustrated and they force their kids to do stuff that maybe they want to do, but right. if it comes naturally, it may be a better environment for them. Now, nowadays at, at URI, especially recently, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you don't want to pay attention to it. There's a lot of conversation of showing, I think, the past respect in terms of what they were able to accomplish and do at URI and give them the credit they deserve because they brought a lot to help URI be the school that they are and retiring this number or that situation or just doing whatever it may be. For you, when the time comes, because it has to happen, what would it be mean to you, I should say, if your number gets retired and you get that call from whoever the athletic director is to say, hey, we want to retire your number, Michael? Well, that would be a tremendous honor. I do not think that's going to happen. I don't think I have the the, the, the stats uh, for that. Uh, but th yeah, I would be very honored, of course. Uh, having your number retired is, is always a great, great honor. Um, but I'm very humble. I don't I like. I don't think I don't think uh, that that that's obviously up to other people to decide. Sure. But we went to the tournament. I was a big part of that, of course. Uh, of those 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 two teams there. Fun part is if I didn't redshirt, uh, if I had redshirted the year, my freshman year, as I was supposed to, I would have been on that elite eight team, sure. and uh, another big body and I could have probably helped out a, a bit there. So if I make that team, then you have a case for, okay, hey, he was on his team, he did this. Sure. Maybe we retire his number. But I don't need I don't need my number to be retired to to feel like I accomplished anything. Um, uh, I'm very happy with my career. Sure. I ended up having a long career overseas. Um, so I'm tremendously happy with what happened at, at URI. It was probably the four best years, definitely besides having my kids and and my and my wife. Those four years, I like treasure them like extremely, really high in my uh, in my life because they were so much fun and and such a great experience. And um, I, I couldn't really have asked for more. Sure. Before we go here today, there's a little segment I want to do called called the One Word Challenge. So I'll do is I'll throw out a few names of people, places, or things that have some connection to my guest this week, Michael Anderson, and he'll do his best to think of a word or two or a sentence that best comes to mind. So are you ready? Yep. Uh, first one, Denmark. Home. Uh, Kingston, Rhode Island. Second home. <laughs> Keeney Gym. The best place to play. Just uh, one in one word, but. <laughs> Technology. Uh, work. Success. Happy. Al Skinner. Cool. Katina Mobley. Funny. And last but certainly not least, Michael Anderson. Proud. <laughs> well, I, I would hope to be proud because you, you've certainly accomplished a lot and been around for some stuff that holds a lot of value to people and like this, it means a great deal to talk to someone who is a, a big time person and a well-known person in your athletics. So Michael, as, as I said before, thank you a lot for doing this. It means a lot. You're welcome. For those, for all those out there, because who wouldn't enjoy this down the road when Michael gets inducted into your athletics hall of fame, you're going to say, oh my gosh, you should have tuned in this at the time it was out. So subscribe, like, comment, share, all that fun jazz, follow on Twitter. 
Nolan Carr at night and on Instagram, Nolan Carr at night. Michael, is there anything that you would like to put out there, plug, promote any of that nature? No, well, if you need any technical support with your business, we don't do in, uh, residentials anymore. Sure. So with your business, you can go to ost247.com. We have uh, support plans that will help your business stay secure in this crazy uh, IT landscape. <laughs> well, and that note, I will end with this. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next week, friends, take care and good night.